0: Cappuccino with
1: Constable Bryan. Real people, real stories. So my guest today on the Cappuccino podcast is Julian Ponchin. And uh, did I get your last name right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, Every podcast I've heard with you is... Did I get your last name right? Did I get your last name right? So the first question I'm going to ask you before I even do the introduction is where? Because New Zealanders do this thing very often is where is your family name from?
0: Oh, oh that's that's a podcast in itself. Um, <laughs> it, it I I was born in uh, the Netherlands, yep. and uh, that's where my family is from. As far back as I can tell, to around the 1500s. Wow. Um, but when I was in When I was actually traveling around Europe, the French told me that I had a French last name. The Italians swore up and down that it was an Italian last name and the Dutch were telling me it was a Dutch last name. So your guess is as good as mine.
1: Uh, As long as you get citizenship to all those countries, you're good. So uh, talking to Julian today, he has previously worked at Boston Pizza, he has been a paramedic for 21 years, starting in a small town called Sycamus, which is in British Columbia, which is the houseboat capital in British Columbia. Uh, he was a full-time sure paramedic is. in Vancouver. And then at the whopping age of 39 years of, of age, he applies to join the Vancouver Metro Transit Police. He's the vice president on out on patrol uh, to support LGBTQIA. And a new term, which I'd never heard because it's, uh, I guess, uh, especially for your Indigenous people, 2S. I actually had to research that. It's a fantastic. Uh, go ahead go, Google Google it if you're listening. He has a weekly series on Twitter and Instagram called Coffee with a Cop, and he's even a member slash instructor of the International Police Mountain Bike Association. So it's a very big welcome to you, sir. Welcome to the show. Uh, As you well know, because I know that you listen, uh, I do a speed round dedicated to Speed, the greatest police movie of all time. Keanu Reeves is in it. He's John Wick. Yeah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so in your opinion, the best cop movie of all time is what?
0: Uh, My mind, uh, oh man, that's a tough one. I'm going to go, what's it, Turner and Hooch. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. That's all good, no worries.
1: Okay, one talent that you have that you haven't been able to use in your role as a police
0: officer? Uh, I don't know if it's a talent. I can pick up a guitar and strum it, but that's about as far as I get. That's all good. Uh, The last book that you read was what? Oh. It was a good one, and I would recommend it. Too Much and Never Enough, the Donald Trump uh, from Mary (laughs) Trump.
1: Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, we all know how that ends. Uh, Your childhood idol was who? Uh, uh,
0: Arnold Schwarzenegger. Beautiful.
1: Uh, The most realistic TV program about first responders not just police officers, but paramedics and everything else, is what, in your opinion?
0: William Shatner did a show, I believe it was called Rescue 911, and I thought that was pretty cool. That was, uh, it probably wasn't very realistic, but it was definitely Hollywoodized, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it was very sensationalized. But yeah, that was that was kind of a cool one.
1: I like, and as a huge James T. Kirk fan, if it's got Shatner in it, then yes. it's gold. Yeah. And he's Canadian as well. Surprise, surprise. Um, Favorite Star Wars character is who? Star
0: Wars character would have to be Luke Skywalker.
1: Oh, there we go. Good work. Okay. All right. So let's ask the $64 million question. What's Vancouver looking like at the moment in the COVID uh, era? Uh, Lockdowns.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think we're getting about uh, 500 cases a day right now, um, which apparently is coming down. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're we're still able to go and do a number of things where I'm able to go to the gym, which is nice. Uh, uh there's masks are mandated everywhere now. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, people, I, there was a, a story today as I was working and listening to the news, uh, people are just getting fatigued. They're getting mm-hmm. tired. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, the we there's, we can't get the vaccine here quick enough. Really? Yeah. Exactly right.
1: Have you been impressed with uh,
0: the response so far by Canada in general? I think so. I mean, um, you know, that's a pretty political question, but uh, I I think overall, everybody's doing their best because Mm. we are tied, really, our hands are tied by uh, Pfizer and Moderna and, and politics and all that kind of stuff. Everybody wants to get their hands on the vaccines. Every country is vying for it. And uh, we're no different. So I think what they've done so far has been actually not bad. Right, now as an
1: experimentic, what's the thing that annoys you the most about people and their response to COVID so far that you've seen?
0: Oh, just the... Uh, the, the people that just feel like it's just a flu um, yeah. and they don't take it seriously. Um, there was uh, a guy just, I guess this past weekend that, uh, uh, was having a party and he was paying a cover or getting cover charges to, to bring people in. And, uh, yeah, he ended up with a $2,500 fine and, and everybody got punted out, but, uh, this wasn't his first party. So he's just, he doesn't care. Right. And that's, yeah. that's what bothers me. Yeah. It's you know, ridiculous. the paramedics. Yeah, I'll tell you the paramedics, you know that I know still are doing a fantastic job, and uh, the doctors, the nurses, everyone that works in the medical profession, they are working so so hard to uh, fight this ridiculous virus. And you know, when we just take it so lightly, uh, it really really bothers me.
1: Yeah, not wrong. I'll, we see. I watch global news every night, and I just sit there, and I'm just. Horrified at just how some how complacent some people are about it. Uh, no social distancing, no mask uh, no care. No worry. It's yeah, a little bit of worry. Um, how has it affected your policing on a day-to-day basis?
0: Well, um, as you saw by my post, uh, a lot of my policing is from home now and I never in my career as a paramedic and a police officer would I ever have thought I would be policing from home, but, mm. um, but our patrol, uh, and I'm not on patrol, I'm a neighborhood police officer. So our patrol is actually out on the street. They are out and about. Uh, but for me, I'm putting together a volunteer uh, office for uh, for the downtown area, for the waterfront community. And a lot of what I'm doing right now is administrative, so very administrative uh, um, work and A lot of my time is just spent sitting at home on my computer in zoom meetings uh and all of that kind of stuff
1: yeah crazy so question for you uh just so that people have got some idea um if i was to walk to rogers arena with three or four fellow calgary flames fans uh with with no masks on or anything else and we were just sort of going down through your neighborhood what could we expect to happen to us if if he saw us? Um,
0: you know, if you're if you're outside wearing no masks, I don't think anybody would really bother you. You'd probably mm-hmm. get a, a few dirty looks from people. Um, mm-hmm. When you're, it's not mandated that we have to wear them outside. So okay. when I, some days when I go for a run, I'll, uh, I'll run without a mask. Yeah. Uh, I I, yeah. I don't really feel comfortable anymore doing that, and mm. because I get a lot of dirty looks from people now. Um, yeah. It's outside, out in the open, uh, so it's not really that big of a deal, probably wouldn't do anything until you got right into uh, into a building. Uh, As a matter of fact, there was a report on the news, and you may have seen it on Global yesterday, that uh, there was a Vancouver police officer who had his leg broken uh, in a fight in our courthouse because somebody didn't want to put on a mask.
1: Yeah, ridiculous.
0: Um, and and this uh, is this is where I just shake my head. Yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, what's the current weather like in Vancouver? That is a good question. Uh, <laughs> it's four degrees. I would say it's probably a little overcast right now. We're supposed to get uh, either, depending on where where you are. I'm right at sea level, so I'm going to get rain, and uh, a little bit higher elevations might get a little bit of snow. We good. really haven't had anything this year.
1: No, you're lucky. Well, you, that normally means it's coming in, in sort of late February, early March, but we won't get <laughs> no, it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so what's the role of the Metro Vancouver Transit Police? Because you and I have had this discussion before. New Zealand only has one police department as such. We don't have a separate uh, department. So what's the role of the, the Metro Vancouver Sorry, the Vancouver Metro Transit Police.
0: I know you had it right the first time. Uh, oh, Metro yeah. Vancouver Transit Police. Uh, <laughs> that, that is a good question, and that's actually one that I cover quite a bit on Coffee with a Cop. Um, the role of the Metro Vancouver Transit Police is to basically police, in a simple term, we police the transit system. Our mm-hmm. transit system is a fairly large spread-out system. We have um, uh, a number of... Uh, a number of different train stations um, we've got two lines really we've got um, the the uh, sky train system which breaks down into uh, the king george line or the expo line and uh, the millennium line and then we have the canada line which everybody remembers from the olympics that takes you from the airport right to downtown and back um, so we've got those as our train systems we've got probably around fourteen hundred buses that run around the area. Uh, We've got uh, a C bus. We've got uh, something called the West Coast Express, which is a commuter train. And all of that is covered by the Metro Vancouver Transit Police. Um, But we don't uh, we don't solely focus necessarily on the transit system. We are like any other police officer in the province of British Columbia uh, that has been trained at the Justice Institute. We are provincial police officers, so we can we can police anywhere in the province of British Columbia. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, when we had the, the fires uh, a couple of summers ago, uh, some of our members actually went up into the interior and uh, helped police in those communities. So mm-hmm. we we focus on the transit system, but uh, we are provincial police officers. And uh, yeah, that's it's it's pretty simple.
1: No, no, okay, then, all right, well, good. Well, that explains it. Now, Vancouver is home to such TV shows and movies as, and this is how most New Zealanders know Vancouver if they haven't been there um, Arrow, The Hundred, Deadpool, because you've got a famous resident there live, live in Vancouver called Ryan Reynolds, yeah. um, Wolverine, yeah. The X Men. Um, can you give us a brief, like a really brief overview of what Vancouver is like, sort of? rough population and sort of size so that people who haven't been to Vancouver before have got some
0: idea. Mm -hmm. So Vancouver, the city is about 600, 650,000 people. Um, The downtown core is very condensed. It's, uh, uh, I think you're looking at about 200,000 and you get in the daytime, just with people working in non-COVID years, you would probably get upwards of half a million people coming into the downtown core to work. Um, the area itself, the greater Vancouver regional district or Metro Vancouver, as it's now called is, uh, I think we're probably close to two and a half million people, maybe 3 million people. Um, mm-hmm. and there's about four and a half in the province. So the majority mm-hmm. of people are, are in the lower mainland. Okay. And here's an interesting tip. Here,
1: I know that lots of our town planners actually go to Vancouver to see, and a lot of Auckland's infrastructure is actually based on Vancouver type like models. So there you go. Uh, so, you went from straight from school to become a paramedic. Is that correct?
0: Uh, yeah. So you'd mentioned, it's funny. I, I don't remember ever telling you that I worked at Boston Pizza, but... You didn't. Um, it's called, re- it's called so research. I, yeah, good for you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was working at Boston Pizza while I was in high school. And I went to a high school in a town called Vernon, which is in the Okanagan Valley, which is British Columbia's wine country. Um, and when I graduated, I didn't know what to do. My manager at the time was an auxiliary RCMP member and uh, he suggested to me that I look into the ambulance service and He had a buddy who was uh, a part-time paramedic So I went to the school library. I grabbed all the pamphlets that I could find because we didn't have Twitter Instagram or you know the Google back then so I I looked everything up and I thought, yeah, I I think I could do this. And I looked to see what the minimum criteria was that I needed to get. And I started going from station and uh, and trying to get hired. The house spoke capital of British Columbia, and um, I got hired there upwards around, you know, But 20,000. But in the the winter at the time, it was probably maybe 6,000. So yeah. it uh, it more than doubles, if not triples in the summer. Um, the call volume there was mostly summer related, so mostly houseboat related. And the the call volume at that station was 300 calls a year, so less than a call a day. And the majority of that was in the summer. And uh, the way the ambulance service works uh, at the time is you didn't get called or you didn't get paid until you got called. So I would go weeks at a time without being paid. Um, my first year as a paramedic, I made four thousand whole dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, I can hear. I can hear my uh, listeners who are ambulance officers going. I'm feeling your pain, brother. That's for sure. What were mm-hmm. the? Because being a houseboat capital, um, and I know that lots of New Zealanders won't be familiar with. Houseboats and well, they, they'll be kind of familiar but not familiar with the Canadian type of houseboat What were the majority of your call-outs as a paramedic up in Sikanoos? What, what were the actual incidences? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, alcohol and stupidity They were honestly 100% it is um, They would literally be just I was drinking too much and I was in the sun because it would get to 30 plus degrees uh, I was in the sun all day, I was drinking too much, I was trying to do something to impress my friends, um, I fell off the boat, I hit some rocks, I we had one guy that we went for uh, and we had to fly him out, uh, he was climbing up to get a better picture of the waterfall on some slippery rocks with, uh, uh, I don't know what you call them down there, but we call them flip-flops, sandals, Gen- and, uh, yeah. oh, there you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but he was, Climbing up there with those, and uh, and naturally he fell. And he fell, I'm going to say, a good uh, 10, 15 metres. And so he was badly broken. Oh, dear. That's and incredible. in the middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I bet. Right. Now, one of the things that you often hear police officers say is, I could never, ever be a paramedic. I, I just wouldn't have the patience. All right, Which is fair. You probably hear that as well. Um, are you more... Uh, patient as a police officer, do you think, or are you more patient as a paramedic? You've done both of them, so you'll know better
0: than I will. Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, I, I would say, I would say I'm I'm probably more patient as a police officer, yeah. uh, and I would say that because, as a paramedic, if if somebody was rude or started to get violent to me, I would just walk away. Uh, as a police officer, you can't do that. You have to de-escalate things. So I find that my patience level is a lot more as a police officer. And I actually value what I learned as a paramedic. And to take that into policing has really helped me.
1: Do What do, what do paramedics say about cops? Do they do they say the same thing? Man, I, I wouldn't put up with that. There's no way I could do his job. No. Yeah. Job. You
0: know, it, it's funny. Um, we I, And I'm sure it's the same down there. But we have a very good working relationship with our paramedics because mm-hmm. we all work the same types of hours. Uh, the paramedics aren't sleeping at night. They are up all night, just like the police officers are. And they're going to the same types of calls that the police are. So there's a, a very good working relationship. I think we uh, overall, yeah, some people would say, oh, there's no way I could do your job. And, and that would flip both ways. Um, when I became a police officer, I had a lot of my colleagues come up to me saying, oh, you're so lucky you get to do that." And my answer back to them would be you have the same opportunity. you just need to take it. Yeah exactly right. you are not wrong. Okay so
1: I'm going to ask you now if you could only use one piece of equipment as a paramedic and a police officer, what piece of equipment would it be? So first of all we'll go there would be equipment for a paramedic. What's the one bit of one bit of kit? that you would absolutely want,
0: no matter what. Yeah, I'm going to say the same answer for both. Um, it's going to be the radio, because that's go. my communication piece. Yep, no worries.
1: Um, over here, we have something called war stories. So we will very often say to another police officer, an ambulance, what's your best war story? What's your best war story as a paramedic?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, those are tough ones, because uh, I'll tell you, honestly, after 21 years of, uh, of ambulance work, Uh, we all talk about things like PTSD and, and, you know, just, just post-traumatic stress period or, or, or or incidents. Um, a lot of stuff I, I actually try not to talk about because when, when I, and, and war stories, you know, uh, I do, I do come up with some funny ones from time to time. And I think when I mention a funny one, there was uh, actually, this is a, this is a good one because it was actually quite funny. Um, my partner and I went, we got called to a a care facility a a senior's care facility for a lady who the, the, uh, the nurse thought was having a stroke. So we get there and we see this, this old lady sitting in her wheelchair and she is just zoned right out. She is staring into space. And I thought, I said to my partner, I said, this, something about this doesn't look right. So I, hi there. How are you? My name's Julian. I'm a paramedic. And, uh, uh what's going on today i said how are you feeling i feel great and i said oh okay and her eyes something about her doesn't look right her eyes are pinpoint um everything's equal so i know that she's not necessarily stroking out with uh, one pupil being larger than the other Mm -hmm. and so my partner comes out and he's got this uh bottle of uh, liquid morphine and he goes uh, and and he's got a, a styrofoam egg cup. And with a line drawn on it and I guess what had happened was her son had uh, Marked on the line how much morphine she's supposed to take, but I think he doubled the dose Indeed. <laughs> I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but yeah. she, she was literally high and uh, And she was having the time of her life and the, the funny thing about this is she was uh, When you look around her room, she was one of these really, you know uh Devoted, hardcore Christian ladies, uh, very, very pure, very proper, um, and you know, probably uh, never did a nasty thing in her life. And uh, here she was, just zoned right out. Never probably been stoned or drunk in her life, and now she was. And so my partner said, "Well, do you want to give her some Narcan or something like that?" And I said, "No, you know what? She's actually she's fine. Let's just we'll take her in for observation. Uh, she'll be fine." And and it's uh, not like and she's in any pain. No, she's having <laughs> yeah. a great time.
1: <laughs> so, hey, look, now you are openly gay. Um, and yes. I've heard you do lots of podcasts where you say that you've never experienced any problems at work because of it. Um, and I thank God that I also work in an organization where I have a number of friends uh, who are transgender, gay, lesbian. Um, and they also tell me the same. I have never experienced any problems at work, which I think is a fantastic thing. Um, what is your your what's the perception of lgbtq and i'm going to say 2s because this is going at the listeners in canada as well um officers in your department and community are they uh and i know that this is the same over here as well sometimes we get uh police officers who are, are lgbtq uh who are viewed by that community as sort of you're okay, but you're, you're not quite sort of one of us and you're not quite one of them. And it's, yeah, it's a bit uh, blurred is the word I guess I'm looking for. So what's the general perception?
0: Yeah, uh, that's actually a really good question. Uh, I think I would say it really depends on where you are, what department you're with, uh, where you're working, all of that kind of stuff because for my department, for my department, it's a non-issue at all. Uh, Was never an issue, uh, is still not an issue. Um, I know in some other departments there are some that are still very closeted just because some of their squad mates or coworkers will, they've heard them say some things Mm -hmm. and, you know, I mean, have I heard things that I could have been offended by? Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, you have to understand that when we're in our, uh, like, especially our locker rooms, when we're changing, and we're just having that mindless banter back and mm-hmm. forth, that's our safe space. Yeah. And, and so if I hear something, if it's, if it's a little out there, I might pipe up and, and actually try and correct them. Um, but at the same time, I also listen and understand that this is our safe space, this is where People can just relax and let go. So as long as it's not overly offensive, uh, yeah. and this goes for anything. It d- doesn't matter if it's LGBTQ, uh, 2S plus, it does not matter. It is yeah. uh, it, you know, if if it's if it's right out there, I'm gonna correct them. If if it's just mindless banter and, you know, it, it's we all do it. And and anybody that's out there that says they don't, I call BS on um, because I know we all do it.
1: Yeah, so like I said say to my friends, please don't stop telling me the short ball jokes because I've yeah. I haven't heard all of them. Yeah. So no, that's right. Now you proudly display your rainbow police patch uh, mm-hmm. on the front of your working vest, as you should. Uh, and my congratulations and sincere admiration for that as well. Um, do you ever get, does it ever get draining, Julian, the just the constant sort of awareness and sort of, I know that you're advocating, but do is there some days where you just feel like going, just call me goddamn Julian and let's just let it be. i just me.
0: Um, I don't know that I've gotten there yet. Uh, yeah. There, there's days where, where oh, I've patrolled at times, and um, and I've seen some people, and I thought that maybe something would come up, uh, and in a negative way, it's actually turned around and actually been very positive. I uh, I was in the downtown east side, which for us is. Uh, Canada's poorest neighborhood, and mm-hmm. it is where we have our uh, our main um, section of, of people who use drugs, our biggest uh, homeless pop- population um, the, it's a big vulnerable community. so I was dealing with uh, an issue at one of the bus stops, and um, there was and and I fully admit that I, I prejudge these kids I, I fully admit that yeah. um, there was these three indigenous kids. And they were walking towards me and they zeroed right in on me and i thought just by the way they looked because they looked right at me and they focused right in at me and they were walking right towards me i thought this might get bad Mm
1: -hmm. uh
0: one of them came or sorry two of them came around my left side the other one turned came around the bus stop and actually circled around to my right side and that's never a good thing right when you've got people circling around you um, and one of them points at my chest and says, why are you wearing that? And I said, uh, I looked at him and I said, because this is my community and I'm proudly, uh, wearing this to because I'm proud of who I am and proud of what I do. And, uh, this represents who I am. And, uh, it still actually makes me quiver a little bit because, uh, and I get a little emotional about this because, uh, I judge them based solely on, on my prejudice. Yep. And they turned around and said, "All three of them, dude, we have mad respect for you, and uh, thank you for doing that." And they and these were these were young people, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I thought, wow, that that blew my mind. That actually made my day.
1: No, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, so in 2019, a small group of police officers from sort of around British Columbia come together to, I guess, basically uh, form a nonprofit society called. Out on patrol, what was your what was your goal with that? Yeah,
0: we actually just wanted to do a support network um, for LGBTQ 2s plus uh, peace officers. So initially, what we were looking at doing was uh, doing some potentially some education, uh, doing community outreach, um, looking at some scholarships, that kind of thing. There's there's also an organization uh, out in eastern Canada. Um, called Serving with Pride, and uh, initially we talked about setting up something very similar to Serving with Pride, and ultimately what we decided was to do something that was a little bit more West Coast, so we, we ended up starting our own thing and calling calling it out on patrol, um, and <sighs> COVID, 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 COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was my, that was my next question I was supposed to going to say to you, because yeah. given the fact that COVID struck pretty much... Right after you guys went, yeah, we're there. We're an incorporated society. Um, what, what happened? Because it wasn't the best time, was it, to be fair?
0: It, wasn't, it actually wasn't the best time for a number of reasons. Uh, we, when COVID hit, we actually talked about postponing. Um, and we decided that, no, we're going we're gonna to launch this no matter what. Because at the time, we didn't know how bad the pan- pandemic was going to be. Um, we had still planned on doing some events. We knew we weren't going to do our big kickoff. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to call it, and we're still going to call it our coming out party yeah, um, nice. <laughs> but uh, we we realized quite quickly that we weren't going to be able to do that uh so we had gotten a grant from the Vancouver Police Foundation, and uh you know I mean they were quite generous with us we We asked for i think fourteen thousand or fifteen thousand dollars and they they gave that to us um they gave it to us really quickly, so i I think maybe we should have asked for more but um they gave us that, and that's what helped us launch our website. Uh we're working on still trying to get some t-shirts and a few other things to, to hand out to our members. Um, ultimately, what we want is something that supports the LGBTQ 2S plus membership around British Columbia. Because yeah. and, and and here's the important thing, Brian, is I'm lucky. I live in, I live in a metropolitan area. If I'm having, if I'm struggling, I can call up one of my buddies. I can go, I can still go see one of my buddies. But when we talked about this, I said, imagine being the RCMP officer in a Northern remote community. Not only are you gay and you, and the people probably don't accept that up there, but you're now in a pandemic. You can't travel out to see your family. You can't, Go out to see any of your friends. Um, All of your social connections have now just become virtual and you live in a community that you've never lived in before. And, you know, that is extremely difficult. So uh, that was one of the reasons why we really started it is just to uh, get that support network out to, to everybody. And we've had some really amazing feedback because of that.
1: Yeah, that was, it's funny you mentioned that because when I heard that your family is from the Yukon, I've been up to Yellowknife and I've done dog mushing up there and everything else. And I actually thought to myself, and I've spoken to the Mounties up there uh, and there didn't seem to be huge numbers there because as you know, it's a very isolated part of the world. I was actually thinking exactly that to myself, man, oh man, even if I was just after some general psychological support here, this would be a really big stretch for me to get it. So congrats. Um, Do you want to tell us, because I've heard you mention this on a couple of podcasts, and it's a funny and good story, and it runs a parallel with a lot of my friends who are from the gay and lesbian community as well. Do you want to tell us about your date at the age of 27 when you kind of almost outed yourself?
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Not almost. I totally outed myself. Yeah, you did yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So you know, it, it's funny. Um, there was uh, there was this girl. She was an X-ray tech uh, at the time, at, at working at Vancouver General Hospital, and uh, I've run into her recently within well, recently within the last couple of years. Um, so every time I'd bring in a patient, she was always there, and she was always excited to see me. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, she, she would meet me sometimes out in the ambulance bay after we'd uh, offload our patients and I was cleaning the ambulance. She would come out and talk to me. Uh, she wanted to come on a ride along with me. And, and we do that every once in a while at the time. Uh, so, I, and of course, I'm just, I'm totally oblivious to what's going on here. I'm just yeah. like, oh, yeah, she's nice. That's great. And so part of me, you know, I thought, oh, this is, uh, this is, ah, this is kind of cool. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe there's something here. So I invited her over for uh, dinner one night uh, when I lived uh, closer to the downtown area. Um, she came over after work and I was just thinking she was going to come over in like a t-shirt and shorts, but she was all done up. She was wearing a dress. She had her hair done. It was gorgeous. And I was, it was awkward, man. It was awkward. We, uh, we sat there and had, uh, probably not one of my best cooked meals. I will say it was just something thrown into a slow cooker. Um, and uh and then we decided we were going to go to a place that was close by it was called the urban well and we're going to go have some drinks and uh and kind of go from there so we're walking down the street and uh and i haven't touched her i you know i i can't bring myself to that and she says to me she goes hey i got a question for you and we're talking so yeah okay what's up she goes if you're so straight why do you have so many gay friends And i just looked at her and without even thinking i said well what makes you think i'm straight and (laughs) she stopped and i and i stopped and i looked at her and i thought what what did i just say and she says well are you and i and i I actually paused for a moment i remember this and i said uh, no you know what i'm not i'm i'm gay And uh, she just, she throws her hands up and she's like, well, I guess I got another friend. Let's go have (laughs) drinks and dessert.
1: Hey, as long as it didn't ruin your date. But um, I know that when you spoke to your partner in the ambulance, uh, I've had lots of my friends who have outed themselves. And I've worked with uh, the gay and lesbian people in the police as well. And it's a really awkward conversation to have, but it must be really hard to sort of out yourself to somebody that you kind of know but don't really know that well? Is it important that they don't know that? What did your um, buddy in the ambulance say when you, when you outed yourself to her?
0: You know, it, it was funny. She, uh, We were driving down the road. We were talking actually about donating blood. And I said, well, yeah, they don't, you know, I, I haven't donated blood in years. And she's like, oh, you should, you should. And I said, well, they don't really want my blood. And she goes, well, why wouldn't they want your blood? And I said, well, uh, I, you know, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. And she looks at me, she's driving and she turns and looks at me and she goes, well, thank God you <laughs> finally told me. Yeah, and I, yeah. what? She goes, oh, come on, Jules. She called She, they all called me Jules. Yeah. Come on, Jules. We all knew.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? And I'm like, well, why didn't anybody tell me?
1: <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? It's, it's funny. Cause I have had, when I heard you say that in another podcast you'd done, I was like, yep. Yeah, I could almost insert a couple of my friends' names in there, and I said pretty much the same thing. It's like, yeah, but oh well. I like, it's all good. It's a journey, I guess. That's all good. Um, what were your, your mum and dad's reactions and your brother's reactions? They were all a little bit different. Um, I know that your dad took a wee time to process it on sort of dad time, um, and your brothers were the same, which I thought was great. I loved the fact that you were, as you called him, your redneck brother. Yes. Uh, basically threw his arms around you and said, I love you no matter what. That's awesome. Yeah. What was your mum's response, which I thought was fantastic.
0: Yeah. You know, my mum was funny because, uh, so to go back a little bit, I, for a while, I I, I joke about this, but I, I used to say that I was trying to pray the gay away. I became a born again Christian for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't work. Um, yeah. I realized, I realized that I am who I am. And you know, uh, whether whether or not you believe in God or a higher power or whatever, I, I am created this way and mm. nothing's going to change that. Uh, this wasn't a choice. So when I told my mom that I was a born again, Christian, uh, she wanted nothing to do with that. When I told her I was gay, uh, her reaction was very similar to all my friends. Oh, ah, I knew that, you know. Yeah, that's OK. Do you want me to tell your dad? And I. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you want to, uh, you know, I can tell them too. And I was actually working an ambulance shift at the time. Um, and I had just been telling all my friends. So I, I thought that I should call her up and, and tell her. Um, she, she see it seemed like she had a good reaction to it. But I know in talking with my sister-in-law uh, a little while later, she said, uh, yeah, your mom just keeps saying that all you need to do is find the right girl. Um, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, which and is, you know what, yeah. so she, she ended up coming around and, and, you know, it, uh, yeah, she was, she was great. Actually. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah.
1: Um, now flipping it on its complete head and coming down to another topic, one of the big issues that you have in BC is opiates and overdoses on fentanyl and the such like how often in your role, because, um, researching this podcast, it seems, uh, that, the number of deaths and overdoses you have is quite huge in British Columbia. Um, and a, uh, I see that, uh, is it Dr. Tam uh, actually said that there's a health, there's actually a, a, a health crisis in the area there. Um, how often do you come across overdoses in your role as a transit police officer? Uh,
0: well, in my role, I've only come across one in three years, but um, that's just the nature of my job as a, as a neighbourhood police officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, our patrol members actually come across them quite often. Uh, I keep all the stats for our department, and I do all the training for our department. Um, We consistently, for the last, uh, for 2019 and 2018, um, we've done 20 overdoses, or we've responded to 20 overdoses, and this last year, in 2020, we actually responded to 32, Mm -hmm. so uh, numbers are going up. And these, these aren't calls that we're actually being called to. These are things that we're coming uh, on view, right? So we're coming patrolling and we're being waved down for them. We're not actually responding to them as a dispatched type of call.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it'll be getting worse because of people's mental health and anxiety with COVID as well. Um, yeah. Just to give a, a New Zealand listener some idea. So deaths from illicit drugs actually eclipse deaths from homicides, suicides, car crashes and COVID-19, before COVID-19 really took off, yep. combined, and that's from the BBC world. Having seen both sides of that, as a police officer and a paramedic, in your own and humble opinion, what 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 would you suggest
0: is the answer to the crisis? I, you know what, this is a, oh, I think that's going to be the million dollar question, because I don't know what the answer is. I sit on um, a few different task forces uh, across the Metro Vancouver area, and The common thing we hear uh, is the Portuguese method, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as as a treatment. So uh, basically what it what it is, is um, if you're and if you're addicted to an opioid or if you're addicted to a drug um, and you're arrested, you're given an opportunity to go to rehab. And um, if you choose not to, then the courts take over. Um, and, and that's actually really simplifying it because Mm -hmm. it's, it's more in depth than that. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is not a policing matter. Uh, the opioid epidemic is a healthcare matter. Um, we cannot police people out of their opioid addictions and it doesn't matter how long we try and how long we put them into jail. Right. No,
1: it's one of those things. You can't lead it horse to water. Can you? No. So you're not wrong. So speaking of paramedics, what made you change? at the age of 39 years of age from being a paramedic to a police officer. Uh, uh cause I mean, it's yeah. Was it a mid, it, was it a midlife crisis? Well, it, it?
0: <laughs> it almost was. I actually joke about it. It was either changing careers or buying the red Porsche. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 it kind of was, I was, I was into a 21 year career. Um, I was a supervisor at the time. Uh, the, uh, provincial health authority had just taken over the the ambulance service uh from the ministry of health so i mean we still they were still under the ministry of health but now they they uh, were being run by a provincial uh organization a provincial health authority and they were making a lot of big changes and i was watching my colleagues getting fired almost on a weekly basis so You know, thank you very much for your your however many years of service. You're no longer required. There's the door. Um, We'll gather your belongings for you and send them, you know, Mm -hmm. so that started me thinking about what I should be doing because I was interested ever since I moved to the lower mainland to the Vancouver area, I was interested in policing. But every time I would go to a policing session or an info session something in my career would change. I'd either get a promotion or or my job would change in some way that would just keep me interested for a while. When when I finally made the decision, it was because my job was changing again. And I was a street supervisor. My role was to oversee both our uh, operations center and the uh, paramedics on the street uh, on a shift to shift basis during the day, it was quite simple because there was a lot of managers around. Uh, nights and weekends, that, that consumed the entire province. So I was the phone call for the entire province. <laughs> um, and, and keep in mind that there was also six of us, right? So yeah. we would all rotate through these shifts. Um, but I remember my boss clearly coming in. He sat down in my office and he, go, and he puts his feet up on the desk and he goes, yeah, I'm going to change your jo- job description again. You're not going to be out on the street. I'm going to put you in the dispatch center. And uh, I'd never been a dispatcher. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the ambulance dispatchers or any of the police dispatchers as well mm-hmm. because they have a, a tough job. Um, but my, my passion was not in the dispatch center. It was on the street. And at the time I said to him, you've got five supervisors in the dispatch center uh, overseeing that one floor. You've got two supervisors overseeing uh, an area of almost 2 million people and you're taking one more supervisor off the street. So that makes no sense. Well, that's the way it's going to be done and uh, that's what's going to happen. So that's when I made the decision that I was going to put in my application. Uh, I didn't realize just how quickly that was going to take off. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I eight months later, and it was only eight months because I couldn't make the, the first written exam because I was away. And then I couldn't do the police officer physical ability test again because I was out of the country. So uh, I had to wait a month for each of those. That made my process eight months uh, versus six months, as it should have been. Any regrets? No, none whatsoever. Absolutely not. Awesome, good stuff.
1: Right Now, you have a large social media presence. (laughs) Uh, And I mean that very nicely as well. Do you sometimes look at it and go, like I do, uh, holy heck they're listening to it here or they're seeing it there. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's amazing the people that reach out to me. Um, so when I do coffee with a cop, I ask for questions and I, I take screenshots of all of the questions and that's how I answer. That's how I do my series, uh, which usually lasts me for about a year. Um, and it amazes me where some of the questions come from. I've got people uh, responding, well, you know, from New Zealand, yeah. uh, from Australia. I've got people from uh, the UK, um, from Germany, from the Netherlands, uh, from across the U.S., uh, down into South America. It's, yeah, it, it is mind-boggling. And, of course, the longer I'm on, the, the bigger the following gets. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's Did almost ever, addictive, actually.
1: <laughs> Did you ever think in your wildest dreams when you joined the police that that would be, I'm not going to say a primary part of your job, but that would actually be
0: a part of your job? I had, well, no, it's like policing from home, right? Mm. I never, yeah. ever would have dreamed that because yeah. I wasn't a big social media guy to begin with. When, no. when we started the role, part of the role of a neighbor, neighborhood police officer is to be on social media, is to have a social media presence. Um, some are better than others, but uh, I just, you want me to be on social media? Okay, I'm just gonna run with it. And yeah. you know, here, here I am uh, five years later uh, with a fairly good following.
1: <laughs> good work. Uh, so as a social media star uh, in your coffee, Judy, you mainly mainly part to your Coffee with a Cop uh, videos and tweets and everything else. How did you come up with that as an idea? Because uh, it's only a short little clip, but you, some of the questions you asked, like you said before, you know, you get them from all over the place. What was your thinking behind it when you came up with it?
0: Okay, so that was, uh, we we were actually doing something called Coffee with a Cop, uh, yep. which was actual Coffee with a Cop. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would set up at Waterfront Station, which is where my hub is, and we would literally hand out coffee. And what uh, when you're doing neighborhood policing in a community and you set up at a, at a Starbucks or, in our case, a Tim Hortons or something like that, um, we would we would actually set up inside the coffee shop and people would just come and chat with you when you're doing it on the transit system people just want to go to and from work they don't want to stop and talk to you but when you offer them free coffee they'll gladly grab the coffee <laughs> say what are you doing and you can give them a little bit of information and then they go on so what i uh what i started doing was i started calling it virtual coffee with a cop because people i would put out these tweets and uh and mostly it was mostly Twitter at the time, I would put out these tweets saying, come down from this time to this time. And I would get so many responses back saying, I missed seeing you. I I didn't get down there in time. So I decided I would try this thing and I called it virtual coffee with a cop. I did a couple of those and people liked it. People really enjoyed it. So um, uh, some of my some of my coworkers would make fun of me for you know oh hey look it's uh, constable Julian Ponchin <laughs> with the Metro Vancouver Transit Police uh, yes
1: um, yeah. uh, Captain yeah. Hollywood it's another one I get as well yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I hear
0: yeah. yeah so anyways that it just took off and um and I do it so it's a two minute maximum two minute and twenty seconds I was doing them maximum a minute before but I realized I couldn't answer some of these questions in in one minute so. I go to two minutes and twenty seconds for Twitter because that's my that's the maximum I can put a video on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to expand uh, in the next month, and we're going to be starting up a YouTube channel. Nice, so, good work. Yeah, I look forward longer.
1: to look forward to a guest appearance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just so some people have some ideas, because I think that uh, lots of people look at um, police officers who are on social media and go, "Wow." You know, that must be really easy because he's just grabbed his iPhone, recorded it and done. For that two minutes, 20 worth of video footage, uh, how long does it take you to write from go to final edit? How long
0: does it take you normally? I don't know if I want to say this because my chief will probably listen. But um, <laughs> hang, hang on for a second then. Disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer for the chief, block your ears for the next 10
1: seconds, please. That's yeah. right, that's right.
0: Uh, I would say from start to finish uh, for a two minute and 20 second video, because I also put uh, subtitles in Mm -hmm. um, because we have our chiefs community council. There's a member that is hearing impaired. So I did that. And this was another thing. She goes, I really like that you do that. And uh, because nobody else does that. So I can't not do it now. Um, But so with from start to finish, I'm probably looking at about uh, three to four hours. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that'd be about right. Yeah.
1: Um, and your chief's even appeared on your coffee with a cop as well. Cause I've Absolutely. seen that video. Yeah. Great stuff. So, and uh, you're obviously getting a lot of support from uh, the department with your coffee with a cop thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. They're very, it was funny when I first did it, um, <laughs> one of my inspectors pulled me into the office and he's, he's retired now, but he pulled me into the office and he said, I got to talk to you. I said, yeah, what's going on? Ah uh, well, you know we've had some uh, concerns about that video, the videos that you're doing, and uh, it just doesn't look professional because you're drinking out of a coffee cup. And I and I started laughing. I said, "You understand it's called coffee with a cop, right?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and he looked at me. He goes, "I had
1: no idea." Yeah, yeah. Do you do you find there's a f- still a few officers, and I, I guess that it's the same around the world, but you still find there's a few officers who are a little bit uh, technologically challenged, I should say. So when you, yes. you yeah, yeah. Okay. I once had a, uh, an officer ask me how I hopped into a pod for my podcast. <laughs> Your challenge, latest challenge on social media is to do the, the Popak in uniform at the age, despite the fact that Julian okay. only looks like he's 23, uh, at the age of 47. Can you tell us what
0: the Popak consists of? Yeah, first off, I didn't choose to do it in uniform. I put the Twitter poll and the Instagram poll out there and uh, the the people have spoken Brother,
1: uh, brother, you know what happens when you put things on social media, oh, once, I know, I once the people speak, it's in. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. so the, uh, the Popat is uh, something that's required to do pre, uh, pre-joining a police department, and it's the police officer physical ability test. It is a what I refer to as 4 minutes and 15 seconds or less of hell. Uh, you're running an obstacle course up and down stairs, you're having to jump over hurdles, Uh, jump across the six foot span Uh, you do six laps of that I believe it's six laps Um, and then you go over to something called the push pull and it's 80 pounds you have Mm -hmm. to push it and control it and do a uh, 106 times 180 degree arc and then you pull back and you do another six times and then you go over to the vault which uh kind of represents hopping over a low fence and you have to hop over that, do a burpee on one side, a sit up on the other side. You do that six times, then you stand up and your time is done. But in order to be fully complete, you have to grab, uh, I want to say it's 100 pounds, but it might actually be less. Um, you have to grab a weighted, uh, well, a bunch of weights. It's usually like a sandbag and you have to walk uh, 25 meters in back.
1: Right. right. So in uniform, you're just saying in uniform or you're saying with your vest on as well? you don't know vest on as well. Yeah. Okay. So with your yeah. vest on, because my vest adds sort of roughly about seven and a half to nine kgs, depending on yeah. what I've got on, um, and bearing in mind that we're not routinely armed like you guys are as well. How much would your vest add on to your, um,
0: your vest? Yeah, probably looking at between 10 and 14 kilos. There you go. Good work. Oh, yeah. that's, that explains
1: why we're seeing lots <laughs> more of you at the gym. What yes. <laughs> now, question for you. How do you unwind? After your work and deal with what you've seen, uh, uh, it's like I say to uh, police officers over here. How do you escape the everyday? What's what's your relaxation time? What do you do to relax? Uh,
0: This has been a different year, so my relaxation has been a lot different. I I have a sailboat. I have uh, um, something called a mcgregor Twenty Six, and it's a nice little trailerable sailboat. Um, That. right now is sitting in a place called Point Roberts, which is in the United States. So for the entire year since last February, I haven't been able to access my boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, in normal years, what I would do is on a nice evening or on weekends, because it's only 15, 20 minutes drive for me, I would go down and I would just go sailing. Um, okay. And that would be my way to relax. Uh, some weekends, I would just go away for the weekend. Um, but the ability to pull out of the marina, throw the sails up, um, and just let the wind take me. And all, my, all I have to focus on is trimming my sails and, and making sure that that boat goes, you know, true to the wind. Um, and so I get my maximum speed. Uh, that's, that is so relaxing. Um, there would even be times when I was still on patrol that I would actually go down to my boat before my shift. And I would just sit in my boat in the marina, having a coffee and just kind of having my zen moment. Yeah.
1: Great. And since COVID
0: struck, what are you doing to relax now? <laughs> That's not a whole heck of a lot. I'm doing <laughs> renovations, which is stressing me out even more. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, stay, stay clear of those. Well, now, yeah. um, you go above and beyond the call of duty. You've done things like um, Cops for Cancer as a paramedic, where you've ridden with other team members for 850 kilometers, I saw um, it was, yeah, yeah, out on patrol. What drives you? If I said to you, Julian, you go, you have to tell me what drives you. What would you say it was?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just there's the need to just help people, and maybe that's what drew me into uh, first responder work to begin with. Really, I I feel that I'm in a fortunate position where, you know, I'm I have the ability to do a lot of these things, both physically, uh, financially, and and mentally. Um, so if I can do something to give back and cops for cancer is specifically for pediatric cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I mean, I don't know any child that has had cancer. I, I since now I do, but um, when I first signed up, I, I didn't know really any kid that had cancer. Um, But that whole, um, that whole community of people that just got around these, these kids with cancer and, and seeing how brave they are. Like, you know, people talk about police officers um, and and firefighters and paramedics being the heroes. And uh, I tell you, you look at one of these kids and they are the true heroes, right? Because uh, yeah,
1: I, I hear you. When they yeah. pull open their top drawers and they've got like 160 beads of courage. Yes. And you're like, wow. And I thought I was having a bad day last week. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I absolutely hear you. Yeah. No, no dramas whatsoever with that. Who inspires you? And I know that that changes because I change as my wife would say you almost change on a weekly basis you're a fanboy one week and then the next but
0: you know i i don't know that's a that's really a tough question i think uh there's some good leadership that inspires me um you know i look at our chief our current chief right now uh i actually find him quite inspiring because he's got a a real drive um Mm -hmm. but but outside of that like when i think of of some of the people i've met um the kids, the the cops for cancer kids, inspire me truly. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I've had the fortune of, of meeting some really great people like uh, George Takei, and uh, it's people like that that inspire me. So, yeah, yeah there it, it really depends. And you're right; from day to day, it'll change.
1: Yeah. and that's almost like you've read my second second question: is who's the most famous person you've met while you've been on duty?
0: Ah, oh, yeah, actually, it would have been George, um, and that was that was incredible because. Uh, George is a huge uh, transit buff. Like he, he he loves the transit system and he sits on the board down in uh, L.A. Um, and he was on one of the uh, the CBC radio shows in the morning with a guy by the name of Stephen Quinn. And uh, they were going to do this interview on the transit system and go across the sea bus to uh, North Vancouver, which is just across uh, the harbour from Vancouver. Um, and... My comms, one of my comms uh, staff actually phoned me and said, George Takei is going to be coming to your area. Can you be down there? Uh, And we've set it up so that uh, you can meet him if you want. And I went, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I went down there and not only did I get to meet him, we we chatted for a little bit, uh, but I got to just tag along. And one of the best parts was actually talking to his husband. And uh, learning more about really their their life together uh, outside yeah. of Hollywood, um, and and then in the end, you know, it was just it was just a really cool experience. He's such a neat, humble guy. They both really are, um, and yeah, that was probably one of my best experiences. Awesome,
1: good stuff. All right, so two final questions for you. Yep. Uh, first one is, what would be your advice for any LGBTQ 2s kids? That are currently listening to this podcast and thinking to themselves, "How do I tell people this?" Yeah.
0: Take your time. Uh, do it when it's right for you. And um, you know, I was actually just having this conversation with somebody on social media yesterday. Uh, when the time is right, you'll know. And um, just realize that it didn't. You didn't. You didn't realize and come to terms with who you were in 24 hours. Don't expect everybody else to accept you in 24 hours. It yeah. may take some time.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And I'm just going to throw in there as well, because I'm an ally and you know that I'm an ally as well. Just be aware that there are lots of people out there who actually will care, they will support for you, yeah. and they will still love you no matter what. So yeah, Absolutely. Uh, final, and I know that you've listened to the podcast, so final question for you. The day of reckoning has come, and it's your eulogy, but for, strangely enough, you're inside your casket and you can actually hear what people are saying about you. What would you like them to say about Julian Ponchin?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I just really want them to say that, uh, that he actually cared. Beautiful. You can argue with that.
1: Okay. So if we want to follow you on social media, where do we go, my friend? So Facebook is? Uh,
0: Facebook is just Julian Ponchin. Okay. Twitter? Yep. And Twitter and Instagram are both at Constable. So Ponchin. Beautiful.
1: And your YouTube channel is?
0: Uh, it's going to be uh, called Off Shift. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, oh, I okay. haven't even I haven't even posted anything yet. Um, yeah. And and my first guest, I hope, is going to be a Constable Liv Vorz from uh, the Edmonton Police Service, who does something called Thin Blue Scribble.
1: Nice. Okay, I'm going to check it out, and we'll yep. have a yak. That's all good. Okay. So thank you very much for your time today. I am looking forward to getting up there and seeing you and the rest of the guys up there and girls up there, and it will happen. Just hear me about 2022. I'll be there, that's for sure. Yeah, Um, Really appreciate your time today. Uh, And uh, yeah, just keep up the great that you're doing and stay safe up there, brother. Thank you, you
0: too. Coppuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.